is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, 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 the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your host, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go. Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast where it's time for our weekly tape review. Griff and I are going to delve in to the Seahawks-Rams tape from week 18 where Seattle won. And then, you know, they controlled some of that, but they got a favour handed to them by the Detroit Lions. So they're in the playoffs because of that victory as well. But we'll also be previewing that 49ers matchup. But first, Griff, the tape. Now, this is one of those weeks where I haven't watched the tape yet. So I'm going in... Well... That's not strictly true. I've watched a few plays, but I haven't delved in in the same detail that I would For like. Sure. For sure. Now, don't worry, listener. I will be doing that basically after we get off the air and become even more sleep deprived. However, Griff, you are a man yeah. who has watched all the tape. You'd never, never uh, shrink from that responsibility. Nary once. Mm. I've watched. Yeah, I watched it. Was that was that old English? Mayhaps, yeah, it was Neary. Mm. But it's 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 elements of old English that's like lived on. It's more of a novelty, you know. Never really used in utmost sincerity, you know. Right, right. That's right. um nice of you to do that for me. You're very welcome. Yeah. Oh, you didn't say I didn't thank, thank you. you. Yeah. No, shoot. Yeah. Um, See, I might know some old English, but my social mores aren't up to date. It's all good. All good. Right. So, Griff, overall impressions of the tape. Is this was this a complete team win for Seattle? Like, what's the main takeaway? No, not a complete win. Um, as we know, the offense the offense had some issues. Um, some overtly bad plays. Um, although I I. There was still some stuff working for them in all phases, but there was just, you know, it wasn't enough to overcome the the interceptions and things of that nature. So, um, yeah, that was rough. Uh, defense played pretty dang well. The pass defense snuffed out, a, for lack of a better term, you know, a bad offense, passing offense. Um, similar to the first Rams game, they defended the running backs decently on early downs. Um, third down running back runs hurt them. They gave up like 40 yards on three third down runs. And then the receiver runs hurt them again. Um, but like the snap to snap stuff, like the defensive line, the linebackers did all right. Um, you know, the defensive line won blocks, I think for the most part. Um, I thought Shelby Harris had a really good game. Puna was just, just fine. Woods was just fine. Um, I thought Shelby Harris was like, he was playing for keeps. He wanted to get in the playoffs. That's how he was playing. Um, so that, that was good to see. Um, that Cody looked just you know, like, just fine at Mike defending the run combination of, uh, Alexander and Muse at will was like, it held up fine. Um, nothing disastrous anyway. Uh, but yeah, the run defense issues, a lot of it, honestly, they still have crack replace problems on the outside. Uh, Mike Jackson just seems kind of not knowing how to approach that situation. I don't think it's a lack of physicality. He loves to hit. I just don't know. He knows. I don't think he knows how to how to relate to the line of scrimmage on that. Um, 
which comes in not to rant too much, but it comes in great contrast to past years because Sidney Jones last year, Trey Brown, of course, Shaquille Griffin for a long time. And, and as we all know, Richard Sherman, they love to fill on the left, that left side. Um, anyway, I digress. Um, yeah, but that's kind of my rough characterization of how the game went. Nice. Yeah, seems the space between Jackson and uh, the edge sometimes gets so wide, but perhaps that's a coaching emphasis thing as well, maybe. And, you know, with the usage of cover two as like a, a run defending tool, that seems relatively recent from this defense, but then maybe that's also the, by opponent. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So you want to start with the defense? Um. Yeah, let's do it. Sure. So, the defense only allowed one second half field goal, and they kind of clamped up the core Rams passing concepts, right? And the core Rams concepts. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, like the 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 zone and duo runs went for like on early downs went for like three point seven yards per carry. So not dominant, but not definitely not successful. Um. And yeah, the, the defending. So obviously, like the Rams play action, right? The boot game, but especially with Mayfield in there, and no, uh, like no receivers to speak of outside of Van Jefferson. Um, they had uh, what were they at? They were um, they had like half half of their early down pass attempts were uh, play action, and almost all those were boots. And they went like, or not boots, under center play action. Um. They went like four for 12 on play action for 52 yards. And then the boots specifically, they ran six of them, only completed two passes for 18 yards total. So the the second level was defending the crap out of whatever whatever they threw at them, whether they were in cover three or quarters. Um, they, they just, the linebackers were really well leveraged. I thought Hurt had a really good game plan for that. Um, you know, like it's so common to boot to the field, right? So when the ball's on the hash, that that weak side or boundary bubble it becomes really important so they always made sure whatever front they were in like 90 percent of the time that b gap was closed the defensive tackle in that b gap that means a linebacker the linebackers were either fitting like the near a gap or something further to the field the b or c which gives them a chance of not overrunning that you know zone action into the boundary right so that they can push to the field for the play action and it was just snap after snap of it of like almost teach tape uh, what it reminded me of was the 2020 defense when they got in extraordinarily good at defending under center play action, especially the boot game. Um, that's kind of what I saw from uh, from them this game. That's high praise and reassuring as well because heading into this game, that was a concern, right? Like I, you know, the boot rules had been a bit sketchy and yeah. the pickups hadn't been quite clear, but they corrected some things, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, they game plan the crap out of it. So it's really good to see that they can identify something that a team does a lot of and have an answer for it. it granted, it's easier with the Rams because they don't have an extensive drop back game right now so that they can put all their chips in one basket, but they, they, they cashed out, you could say. Wow. Big news. Right. So, is there a play action play drift that you you feel that we should go to first or um 957 maybe yeah let's go there let's do it okay 
So a big thing that's happened in the defense is in Ryan Neal's absence, Jonathan Abram's come in. And while Jonathan Abram is, you know, he has his weaknesses, which for me are mainly like when he's one-on-one, which can happen. It's not a pure one-on-one, like Seattle doesn't run cover zero, but when he's matched up on a scene route in cover three, or when he's in cover one man-to-man defense, He's so aggressive that he often gets, he sort of overplays stuff. He also is liable to get flagged. And with the upcoming opponent, which we'll get to in George Kittle, that, that'll probably get exposed in the way that Shanahan schemes. But in this game, he was able to play less in those kind of one-on-one situations and matchups for a variety of reasons. But um, this play is big from him. Um, so if we go here. So it's second and six, 7.43 left in the second quarter. And you can see already some schematic things going on. So we'll just roll it through a few times, but it's boot to the field as Griff was talking about, and they've got the wings into the boundary. Uh, and Seattle manages to kill the primary concept and the ball forced the check down. Yeah. What's uh what's cool about this is this is how the the backside flat defender who is Abram Abrams um is able to kind of rescue the the collective like second level um by leveraging that crossing route because normally normally that guy's occupied by something. And so when his his flat threat goes to at first he thinks okay, it's like jet motion, right? But when he goes to kind of like down block and probably maybe potentially release um he's thinking okay well now it's it might be four strong so i've got that means it's pass back rules are in effect so he rightfully gains depth like maintains his horizontal width and then rightfully gains depth looking for that crossing route because why this is so important and i should have started with this actually is that on that play like when i said they're closing off the the boundary b gap so the ball's on the hash right they are in the Rams are in a wing formation. And I think McVeigh realized that they're closing off that boundary B gap to give their linebackers a chance to leverage this crossing route. But then he also knows that when they form a wing, Seattle checks into an under front or under front spacing. So Collier's in that C gap to accommodate for like a, a gap run because you don't want that tight end getting a free climber on Barton or Muse. So he's able to manipulate Seattle into a look that they don't want to be in if it's play action. They're like right now they're trying to defend like gap scheme and and like maybe gap scheme play actions. Um, but so sure enough, McVeigh gets what they want, but it's Abrams being savvy and kind of cognizant of what could happen to them here that uh, saves the play because naturally or normally it would be Muse who would be needing to leverage that first crosser that comes back. Um, but as you, as we see here, he overruns it and then Cody doesn't stand a chance cause he has a hard B gap with, with climbing tight ends and a pulling guard. So they key that guard and they immediately think, all right, I have to go. I have to respond to this block that I'm reading. Um, I have to make sure I scrape over because it can be so difficult to do that. And then like, then as the play keeps rolling. Uh, like, see, Muse loses it. He doesn't have a chance. So 
and then even Cody, the, they have another another crossing route that he can't, Cody can't handle. Um, and so this is where Maffei comes in. Maffei kills that as well. Abram can't cover two routes. But um, I think Mayfield, his first read would have been 89, the first tight end running through. Yeah, so, and I'm, su- I'm surprised. Look at Daryl Taylor having to run across the field with um, with Higby. Is that Higby? Yeah, I think so. Daryl Taylor carrying that from the other side, which is impressive. Mm-hmm. And and we see Woolen not chasing, which is which is good because, especially with the wing, he he doesn't know he's zoning off. I mean, at this point, he could chase if he wanted, maybe help if they're getting a post from the other side, but. Um, with the propensity to run leak and with the issues right. of being too aggressive, thinking Absolutely. about this forty nine this game as well, it's good. Right, yeah. right. Um, if yeah. you take it to the end zone angle, though, unless mm. you have something else to show here. So yeah, so like right now, so they form the tight end wing, right? So Seattle, even though they're in, they have three four personnel out there. They're essentially playing, they're essentially playing like a four down front right now with. Well, a five-man front, but with even space, so as though they're playing a four-three under. Um, so wait, what? What? Uh, was Puna in a four-eye? I can't remember. No, I don't think or so. C- it's just because C- of the call. Okay, all right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this so is, Puna- this is exactly like how Seattle used to run. Uh, what the term four-three under? Identical. Frisco. So, right. So, like Maffei here, he'd be your Leo and he's locked to the rush. So, the Rams know Maffei would be as part of the four man rush unless it's, unless it's a drop eight. So, th- this is essentially just like the old days right now stack A, stack, stack B, um, uh, run fits um, from the linebackers. Uh, so, but because LJ Collier is in the C gap instead of the instead of the B gap that means Cody um has a hard B gap to the to the boundary and boundary runs are really common so yeah and what, like you difficult. said with the guard pull which is what they're why they're running this front in the first place to prevent the tight end climbing onto up up to uh, Tanner Muse the backside inside linebacker the guard pull Cody has to flow out here and uh and has to come up here um so it's a dis- kind of a disastrous element of the play for them at, at this point for the play action right so the combination of abrams and maffei maffei really uh saves him here and it's it's really good scheme from Mc, from mcveigh because this is him just kind of carrying the rams offense right now mcveigh is like this should have worked but it was two players kind of blowing it up for them. Yeah, and my my question would be, you know, why not throw the? Uh, I, I I thought Mayfield could have thrown this over route, especially with like Taylor having to carry that um, from the backside. But like the presence of Maffei right in the face of uh, Baker makes that not really viable, does it? Plus, like right. Maff- uh, Taylor does gain on it, but it's there. I think like a Stafford maybe throws that. Is that? Like, yeah, he might, he might. Yeah, Although he but, might kind of have to float it too. Yeah, it would be a floater, and then bad things may happen with this corner up here as well. So, I don't know. 
so like so yeah so even when it was really tough on seattle schematically they still executed executed in spite of it so it's just uh, an indicative sign of them all being on their uh p's and q's definitely and if just uh for the listener if you've been listening for a while you'll know that we've spoke about how um you know they have to play this five technique to the two tight ends or the wing the yy set to protect on the gap scheme so this is sort of the next layer from that point right uh, yeah layers it's it's yeah. constraints building off constraints now and the chess uh, match of football right right exactly now see what last year what they would have done is they would have stayed in bear but then they would have slanted the line toward the boundary so they can close off those one they can remain sound if it's zone but then they can slant into the tight end side to keep the linebackers free and also allows them to hang back for play action crossers. So the problem is they don't have the complementary calls in their bear package. They don't have the fire enough fire zones. They don't have the line slants. So that takes them out of bear. They have to resort to their under check, but then by resorting to their under check, they're then putting the linebackers at a disadvantage for what the Rams might throw out there in their play action concepts. You're saying that it's slanted to the, to the field. No, they would have slanted to the boundary. Right, right, right. The, right. Which I believe is would be called slasher, which is something that Pete has always done in um, in these fronts, and it it kind of acts a bit like pirate. Right. Yeah, it does. It's it's kind of like the the bear fronts, you know, cont- and and, it, and so Ken Norton Jr. committed to that he leaned all the way into that tool. Yeah. Um, and, and because they don't have that tool, they have to play more under, which can then hurt them in other ways. Now under can be really great for you too. Don't get me wrong. Like Ken Norton jr. They would have games like under games, right? Like last year against the 49ers and they, they defended the 49ers really well, especially on the ground, both games last year. So yeah. And the year before that actually, but good stuff. Okay, so another good play for the uh, for the for this examples of like the boot plays and stuff, and Abram having a good game as well, and the the wing being an issue slightly earlier in the game. So nine forty two in the second quarter, first and ten, the game tied at six nothing, six all. Sorry, can't tie six nothing. Um, and here again we have wing, but. Uh, it's pair trips and it's to the field, so slightly different presentation, um, but uh, similar sort of trying to exploit the way Seattle is going to play this, right? Right. Um, so they, oh, I'm, I've got it on slow speed. So they 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 jet across and create the same kind of set. So it's two by two, but this time the wing is to the field. But they know that Seattle is going to play cover two to the two wings. So here and here. Woodens up here to play the force. Um, they're not in under this time. I guess they're well. They are in under, aren't they? But he. But this is looks a lot tighter from. Uh, yeah, he does. He seems like a big at player. Um, it's but almost it's be- what they call eagle or like bumped. It's because they're in too high, though. Yeah. That, yeah. That they're that they want to reduce the front, regardless. Yeah. 
So they knew that to, I think to the field Seattle would play like more cloud to this these pair wing sort of set. Um, and this has been a beta for a while. Basically, what what ends up happening is uh, teams will uh, play action Seattle off this look, uh, and they catch them in their quarter quarter half coverage. And what happens is they sort of waste two bodies over here. Um, and then from the quarter side, they run off this guy. Um, let me get rid of this. They run off the quarter safety uh, and sort of end up two on one on a vertical guy. And then they run an over route across the middle of the field. The linebackers are sucked up and no one plays the over route. Um, or the quarter safety tries to nail down to it, but it happens too late, right? Like we've seen Shanahan do that to them. It was an issue throughout the preseason. Um, but this play is nice because th that didn't happen. Um, now they're helped by the pattern they ended up getting. Like this isn't McVeigh's best play call, things considered. Right, right. But um, still a, a great play from Abram. Uh, quick pattern recognition. And you can see how uh, sure Mike Jackson is passing. He passes off, like he gets the over route. He passes that off to Abram in the quarter. He nails down. Jackson then looks to replace him. Um, so they're just better leveraging the route across the field. Right. Uh, and then to the cover two side, Woolen honors the split flow and then takes the first flat and ends up knocking the pass incomplete. But like, it's just, I think they are running it for the slides, really, aren't they? But, but yeah. like the downfield stuff is really well covered. And it's funny how you end up almost getting on the back end. It looks like Tampa 2. Um, like a yeah. weird invert, <laughs> yeah. Which is uh, which is cool. And it's it's good to see this because you know we didn't see, we I mean we just saw cover three to uh to wings versus the 49ers and that that hurt them because the corner ha was pressed into the run fit, but then they could play action that corner with yeah. him having deep responsibility. At least here, Woolen has some help over the top with Diggs if he ends up biting too hard and more like a downhill concept. So Yeah, Willen can play this without much conflict. He can filter down. Like Willen's key primarily is this tight end because he's responsible for forcing, so the outside wing guy. Um, so as soon as that guy blocks away, he's immediately thinking, okay, it's going to be run away or something's coming back towards me on like a play-action concept. You see this tight end starts departing. Willen can get his eyes in the backfield. There's this mesh point going on, but also he can probably see that this guy's about to come across and he doesn't have to worry about, oh, crap, it's play action. If I'm in cover three, I've got to get my ass all the way back here. He can just chill in the flat knowing that he's got digs over the top of him in the deep half, ready to play any deep routes um, to that side of the field. Um, which digs does, like they get a corner route out of one of the tight ends. Um, digs is there realistically like could a could a could a quarterback throw to this guy no because he's rolling away um he's got a rusher who's done a good job bruce Irvin, uh getting up in his face it the timing of the play just doesn't work especially with it across his body um right. and then this route is the, the the problem route the sort of intermediate over but as i said abram did a great job picking that up um so this is like blanketed Blanketed play action concepts when I had no very little faith that Seattle would be able to get this done. So I guess it must just be a coaching emphasis thing. They'd sort of they've been scrambling to try and get the players in a comfortable position and now they're not. But this is what I meant by the and now they're sort of actually able to scheme up a bit more because I think they've found something. So 
this is what I meant by Tampa two. This is like the middle run through. This is the half. This is the half. Mm. This is the cloud. This is the cloud. This is the curl. This is the curl. Um, even though it was quarter quarter half to start with, but that's the ideal distribution you'd want against this. Um, yeah. Agreed. Uh, yeah, this is just um, yeah, the, and and yeah, this is just bare, but um, they've slid it to the to the quarter safety, haven't they? I think that's how yeah. they must do it. They must do it so that because they know that um, they got cloud force here, so they can play over three tech and a and a one, and then pretty heavy one too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe they need to protect. Course. They need to protect this side, so they play the four eye here. Right. And we saw very little of this too. I think it was just because wing to the field, that was kind of their answer. Makes sense, yeah. And good job from Tariq, Willem. Yeah. Right, Griff, what play do you want to go to now? Uh, let's get. Let's look at my face sack at uh, 610 on the file. And as ever, if you're in the chat and you're sort of wondering what the heck we're talking about or you just have a question or a play you want to look at, Please do, don't be afraid to comment that you are part of the experience. You make it a much better one, I think, a much better show. Okay, so 12.58, um, third and three, um, 12.58 left in the second quarter. Um, so, yeah, so uh, third and three, um, they're an empty, so short yardage and empty. Seattle's probably thinking something short, quick game or something like that. You know, they're in a pass rush front, so they're trying to hurry the throw. A kind of a NASCAR double three technique, double wide nines, right? Um, uh, Seattle's in weak rotated cover three, so they're basically playing cover three match to the two receiver side. So Abram would carry, would carry a seam if from the number two, the tight end. And then, of course, Willen's playing cover three principles he's pretty much has all of number one but i think he bails into a side shuffle to help play you know if uh gets like a corner out or something from the the slot from the slot yeah uh but front side so historically seattle would play their five over three so five defenders the free safety the will the mike the curl flat who's kobe the nickel and then mike jackson those five over those three guys to the to the strong side in that bunch formation they play five over three match with the weak hook defender who would be alexander 34 he would he would match the final three receiver coming from the passing strength from empty so now they have different ways of doing it where they just open and turn immediately or they kind of play what is called a bingo drop where he kind of melts to the weak side if the quarterback's eyes go weak he stays weak if he goes to the strong side, then he pushes forward and looks for the final three. And the reason why you do that to empty is because you you get a lot of like in-breaking stuff from the weak side and you're kind of thinking quick game because of empty. Teams don't aren't really able to get vertical on you with five-man protection and empty as, as easily. Yeah. Um, in this case, they don't bingo drop in the sense that he has final three responsibility, but they do spot drop Alexander. He is um, just playing like a just a soft, you know, hook zone. And he's just relating to the quarterback. So he's relating weak, equal to waiting, relating strong, and he's not carrying anything. What that means, though, is that Cody Barton, 
because because they have two receivers weak and three receivers strong pre-snap, that backfield distribution empty would be called split flow. So three strong, two weak. If if Alexander thirty four had to carry something from the strong side, that means if they were as a shallow route underneath that over route that Alexander had to carry, that means Cody Barton would have to take that receiver back. Um, it's called take back rules. But because Alexander is spot dropping, that means Alexander would be able to take back whatever comes back shallow. And Cody Barton gets to stress depth in his hook drop, his strong hook drop. Um, and when the, the tape rolls here, it, it shows uh, Cody Barton like just understanding the combination that he gets, playing with depth and relating to the quarterback eyes and getting in the window. So it's a, it's effectively a dagger a dagger situation. So you see Alexander not opening to that first crossing route. He does not open to it like they normally would. He's leveraging the crosser and he does a good job. But Cody, we we see him one melting like diagonally inside the hash. He ends up playing the middle, splitting the hashes. Um, and he's getting to the depth of the inbreak of the outside receiver. So the pressure um, kills Mayfield's chances of even getting to the backside. Really good rush from Maffei. Really good to see his pressure. But this play is a beater. It's designed to beat cover three. And had he progressed to the backside, Cody Barton shut the whole play down. Um, and it seems simple. It's like, well, he's just, you know, he's just dropping back seven, eight yards and stuff. But the this play is designed to attack the linebacker in Cody's shoes right here. Um, they want him taking the cheese, kind of playing tighter. And then that dig route is thrown all day long every Sunday across the league because of because of that linebacker doesn't understand. He either melts too far past the hash because he's got a field drop or he doesn't melt deep enough, but he's relating to the – he's specifically re relating to that um, the tight end, the point man of the bunch who ends up running that dig route. So – um, it's it's just that's what elite spot dropping is. It's what KJ Wright got paid for. Bobby Wagner was really good at it, good at it at his peak. You know, I think Brooks has been pretty good at it. Um, and Cody doesn't find himself in the strong hook very much these days because he's been the will, not the mic. But in this case, he does see himself there, and he just handles handles this really well. Like it's really rare to see the strong hook player melt back diagonally. Like, yeah, it's almost perfect. Well, and what I really like as well here is if you look pre-snap where his eyes go, as soon as the ball snaps, he glances at this bunch um, to gain intelligence on who's going to be his threat. So he immediately sees that the tight end's going vertical. You can see he's looking over here. Um, and the advantage of that is then he can filter through the, the three receivers and the condensed split. Um, so as we play it through a bit more... He then he's already seen that this guy is going vertical, so he knows there's someone going inside and vertical, which is going to be behind him. So he knows that him getting depth from this is really advantageous because he can sort of set he's seen this guy go vertical, but then he can sense that behind him, which is how he's able to get right up in that first in-breaking window, which ordinarily would have been a completion. Um, right. And, and what they want, they want this route to hit right inside of Cody. They want that dig route to clear Cody horizontally, going from right to left. Yeah. And they they want to throw it and, and catch that ball right in between the hashes. They want Cody to be on the hash or past it 
and then they throw it right over him. The amount of times Jimmy Garoppolo or Jared Goff have thrown a dig route and a dagger combination that Shanahan or, or McVay schemes up for them, they've probably done it like 20 times in their career. And every single time where it hits successfully, that linebacker is either on or outside the hash, but Cody's well inside it, right where the ball would be caught. So the play's just dead in the water. And again, because they're not because they're spot dropping the weak hook, it's on digs to nail down on that first over route, that clear or run through route. Hmm. And to, to your point there, Griff, as well, watch Cody. Um, Cody gets them right. Um, makes a signal to Diggs, sinking up the front and back. I think probably about how they're going to play this bunch combination, uh, which Diggs pays attention to and mirrors the signal to Mike Jackson up at the top of the screen. Um so great job getting the play in right and the everyone being on the same page of how they're going to play it. Um, and like you said, Griff Diggs, Diggs is on the right page here. Of He knows he's got to come down on that. Yeah. I think the main thing being to your point, like in, in some times, it, if this guy, the weak hook wasn't spot dropping and he'd come back with it, then Diggs could have... Uh, the reason they also that's advantageous would be then Diggs could lean over here a bit more, mm-hmm. um, but because the weak hook was pure spot dropping basically, and is just zoning off here, Diggs needs to really kind of play pure middle of the field because there's no body after Cody in the strong hook. Right, right. And I do like spot dropping here because it takes care of the the shallow mm. route better on a on a third and short. Mm. If we want to look at Mafei's rush here, someone mentioned in the comments that the left tackle was laid out of a stance. I, uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's kind of, it's, I mean, it's still a good rush from, from Mafei, but from Mafei, um, but he's also got eyes on the, on the, um, on the three technique from Harris. Like he's thinking like stunt or something, or maybe the wills rushing, maybe. Um, I think, so yeah, does, I think, I think John, uh, Johnson did a good job of uh, yeah. because he's spot dropping, he's able to come down a bit, play with some disguises, occupies the attention of the left tackle a bit to this. And uh, yeah, the tackle almost trips over himself because he's late trying to get to Maffei speed. Right. But, you know, still good to see Maffei, you know, uh, show that speed that he has. Um, and then you know, kind of the the inherent agility, the lack of agility, kind of on display. But you know, if if he can if he can get upfield on tackles like this, it shows how he can still be viable. And if and if they start to respect his speed, then that opens up that opens up the power moves and counter moves, right? Yeah, yeah. As we said, his lack of bend will always limit his um, ability to finish. But yeah. That he needs this speed. He just just him running around the tackles big because that should be his plan A. And then the re- whatever happens, like at least he's got someone who can set a reliable uh, edge to a pocket in clear pass situations, uh, sure. which is really valuable. And you will get sacks from that because you know interior rush can flush people up and back. And uh, yeah. right. And he finishes here, which like a lot of his sacks in college were this kind of second effort after winning around the edge, but not being able to bend, bend it. Right. It's like the second effort to get home, which is fine. So, 
right look cody's pumped because he he knows he just fucking shut down everything part of my language also he's communicating the yeah 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 it's a great play so uh should we talk about Diggs' interception before making our way to the offense let's do it okay so quande Diggs, great interception uh mcveigh is always a mean piece of work you could say um so before we get to the pick mcveigh was trying to mess with seattle's uh coverage stuff a fair bit with like we call fake concepts, concepts where this basically just designed to be the beta. So here, 12, uh, 40-ish left in the third quarter, first and 10. This is a very unusual kind of concept where the, the depth of these routes is just crazy. Um, you don't ordinarily get a number two receiver run this far deep. I know it's off play action, which helps, but like, um, and cover three, this would cause problems because, um, I mean, how far downfield is that? That's like a 25 yard out route, corner, post, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then an even deeper corner. So against cover three, that's a problem. Seattle, fortunately, on this play was in, um, cover four to this side of the field and cover six away right it's uh cover two away it's cover six is it a fire zone though no 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 it's not it's just jackson realizing he's got nothing to do yeah adding on is cool so yeah and willem got the pass break up uh baker was he late on it yeah, yeah, kind of. But then he's also hesitating because he wants his receiver to break away from Woolen. There's a special play from Woolen, special pass That's break up. Crazy play, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. Anyway, so that that's the context. Um, so in that coverage, Seattle's fine, but this was the perfect beta. The digs interception was the perfect beta because um Seattle was in cover three. Uh, so it's a similar kind of deal where you get a deep, deep, deep corner from the number two, and then a deep comeback from the one. And and he's a jet a jet wheel into a comeback too. Yeah, which is which... nuts. So as soon as uh, Willen sees this jet motion across the field, uh, he's going to take that because it's the new number one. It's going to occupy his eyes because um, no one else can play it. He's the one with the leverage because he's so far outside. Um, and from a Kobe Bryant perspective, this split is tight. Um, it's also trips, so he's going to zone. He's not going to match two downfield, uh, which is why he doesn't run with the, the corner because at times Seattle will match it. Uh, but also in this game with play action and stuff, I don't think they did as – you'd have to correct me here, but I don't think they'd have done as much matching, right? Right. Like, um, Especially the trips. So – at this point, they've widened out. It's to the field side as well. So they've widened out Woolen. Um, and this receiver's super kind of tight running this. And it's basically a seam route until it ain't, which means it's on Quanjay Diggs. Um, 
So it's just a perfect beater. But Diggs' ability to, in the middle of the field, look at his primary threat, which is obviously the inside receiver running the almost the slot route. Uh, and, and then, I mean, yeah, he's open, but Diggs had to go on in the post route first. Off the cut, Woolen had to play. I mean, he can't, he doesn't read where the ball's going, but like Baker's gearing up, he has to play this route. Um, it's the, again, it's the perfect beater. Um, and and like, look at the pocket. You know, he's got all the time in the world. Seven guys in protection, four man rush. Yeah, Clint Hurt said how he was like, oh no, when when he saw this because yeah. it's it's max protect. Um, this is McVeigh going for it. Like, right. This could be his last play on offense that he's called for the Rams. Right. And he called it, didn't he call it his best beater? Um, I mean, you, you, like, you could say, well, if you can just beat any coverage, why don't you call plays that it only works if, if the protection is just pristine. So, yeah, they yeah. have pristine protection here. Um, I mean, you, you can beat absolutely any coverage that exists on the whiteboard under certain assumptions and the assumption was well it you know we have all the time in the world so he just kind of you know put all his effort into the protection call yeah. here to make sure it worked this is the fakest smash concept i've ever seen right like yeah it's it's, it's elongated smash yeah. it, it's impossible for the corner to play it and it's very hard on the free safety to play it yeah because Wollen is trying to split the distance between this guy who's running a wheel and this guy, he's visioning this and this and the quarterback. But realistically, as it progresses downfield, like remember the line of scrimmage was at the 20-yard line. Now the two's at the 30, so that's 10 yards already. Now it's 15 yards at a certain point. And Woolen guy's also now getting towards the 15 yards kind of depth. At a certain point, Woolen has to pick. Uh, and this guy's running the corner route at 15 yards, is still running as though it's a seam. So in Woolen's right. mind, that's right. the safeties. Um, this was uh, the, the the corner and the safety were in conflict, pretty much conflicted the same way, the way the 49ers were in the Super Bowl with the Chiefs when they ran that Wasp thing, where yes, the number point. one receiver ran that dig route at 15 yards, and they had the um, Tariq Woolen looked like he, or not Tariq Woolen, Tyreek Hill, because he's even faster than this guy running up the seam. He looked yeah, he like he was like, running an over route, but then runs the seven cut back toward the sideline at the end. And it's just impossible for the cover a cover three corner to do anything with that. You have to honor your outside route. But then it naturally outleverages the free safety. So, again, it only works if you have fast as hell receivers and the quarterback is all the time in the world. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, this is Van Jefferson running the route right. He only breaks on the corner route oh my word so he he starts breaking uh, the corner route at 43 yard line so 23 yards he's run down the field and then yeah. he starts breaking out again so yeah Tariq Willen had no hope in hell and Diggs, and your so, Diggs is a, a middle field safety. Your depth gives you range. Him getting depth into the middle of the field gave him the the room to then make a play. The fact he undercut it is crazy. Yeah, because he bends back. So it, the, we looked at it like, oh, it was under throw. It was. But if he throws it on a line, Diggs is able to converge on it because 
Diggs ends up bending his angle back. Yeah. So, and should he have returned the ball? Yeah, but, you know, it's kind of a ball so to play. If, like, if that ball was thrown, I don't think that ball could have possibly have been caught in stride, but at least he could have led him a little bit more. Diggs is still going to be able to contest this if it was Stafford throwing this. It's just with Mayfield throwing it, Diggs has picked it off. So it's still an incredible play from Diggs. On the broadcast, I thought, even with the replays, I thought it was just, oh, underthrow. We got lucky. Diggs did a good job on the underthrow. But watching it with the All-22, yeah. I definitely think Diggs would have converged on this. It's just had crazy it, it ball tracking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, it's Earl Thomas-esque, isn't it? Yeah. So and I mean, also look at um, look at Baker's eyes here as well. Just on the woolen point, um, Baker's really baiting woolen into that jet. Like he's he's looking uh, out here at the uh, the the deep hitch from the the number one to really make sure that woolen was down, and he only comes back to his crazy deep corner yeah. route very late. Mayfield's yeah, got that, got that uncle who got that uncle throwing it over the mountains crow hop into this throw. Yeah. Not quite a crow hop, but I, I do think he probably should put the ball more outside than like to the numbers rather than I don't I don't even think he has the, the throw but power. I don't think he that. can. Yeah. I mean it is a like this ball does go a lot of yards. This is all he has, you know. Yeah. Yeah, which again is why you don't see teams do this every time because it requires ridiculous, ridiculous arm talent. Um, right, it, it's like, it's why uh, it's why Chargers fans have to be dying a slow death watching Joe Lombardi call plays for Herbert. Wow, Joe Lombardi catching strays. Okay, so that is the defense dealt with. Uh, I guess we should talk about the run defense, but we don't really, we're probably going to run out of time. But just really quick, Griff, like what went on there? Because they had 104 yards rushing, five yards per um, carry. Yeah, I mean, 35 ish yards of those came on third down um, on three carries, which is bad. Um, and then there's a the 32 yard run right where Jackson just busted. Right. Which is, yeah, which was, mm. well, maybe it was more than 30 yards then. But yeah, uh, they had two, I think they had two explosive runs where Jackson misplayed a crack and replace thing. Um, so it's just him needing to play tighter to it and recognizing what's happening um, sooner. Uh, but honestly, like, they, they played a lot of that nickel over front against 11 personnel, but if, even if they went under center, though. So if, it, it felt like they're disadvantaged in a lot of this. They had a lot of duo runs, a lot of zone runs that went for like three to five yards, and it really felt like watching them, a lot of them should have been snuffed out at like two, three yards at the most. But the way they're having the linebackers play, even when they're gapped out, meaning like pre-snap, a linebacker, you've got the A-gap, you've got the B gap or whatever the case may be. But then they're asking the defensive tackles, if they're playing a heavy two eye, they're asking them to play like fall into the B gap and then work back to the A gap. So kind of two gapping, right? Two gap, um, 
two gap, one gap kind of principles. And because of that, even though they've got a defender for every gap in, in the box, the linebackers stacked behind that behind that defensive tackle on, on either side is then fitting off of what that tackle is doing. So then like they'll, they'll, they're fitting off what the tackle is doing, but then also tracking the running back. So they're stacking the running back and then falling back into the gap. And they might even do it well, but you can only contact the running back at three, four yards in all those contexts if the defensive tackle isn't shedding the block and making the play himself. And if they were playing with like a normal, like one technique, three technique, normal alignment, they would just be playing their half man. The linebacker would be, would be, you know, shooting his gap, getting vertical into the gap. And they would be, I don't know, stuffing these runs for maybe even at the line of scrimmage, at least maybe one, two yards. Um, So it's just bizarre choices. And I don't understand why they're coaching it that way. My only thought is maybe they want them to hang, like hold their depth a little bit if it's like a pocket play action thing. But I don't know. It's just bizarre to me. And the tackles, they don't feel comfortable with it. This is when they're in 2-4, not 3-4. It's when they're playing like nickel, four-down spaced fronts. Yeah. I don't get it. Some weird stuff has been happening in that throughout the season. We sort of covered similar topics in past episodes, so make sure you check them out. Um, Okay, offense. Uh, sh- should we dive into film or should we should we say that we've gone too long we could we could do one play if you wanted okay let's do one play so uh, just an overview of the offense griff um yeah how bad was gino i that's i think the question that everyone would want to know uh gino so G- gino's interceptions were really bad um the the first one the, the the first one it was bad because DK lost his route, but Gino needed to recognize that and just not throw it. He throws some of his interceptions this year. He, he throws with such supreme trust, and yeah. it serves him. It serves him when he makes improbable tight window throws, but it it's it hurts him. It's like you're you're trusting DK to you're you're trusting DK to kind of maintain horizontal separation out of this dig route um it's it's like as soon as dk as soon as gino sees that dk isn't he doesn't separate a lot at the break here at the speed cut he needs to just not even throw it and immediately progress to his outlet but the outlet's covered too which is the other problem well walker's coming out of the backfield on the other side oh true true yeah um yeah and and i think particularly with DK, like he's been having a bit of struggles. Uh, yeah, the trust factor is a problem because like if he's not getting open, then yeah. Like, I mean, also we need to talk about like, this is an insane play from Jalen Ramsey, like an insane yeah, play. You're not it's supposed been, to be able to do that. It's incredibly hard to undercut the drift route with the way the leverage works and, and, and everything. It's, yeah, he sort of gains five steps somehow. Yeah, but I also think DK needs to can't round that more. off. He's too round. Yeah, yeah. He needs to flatten his angle more. So I mean, like DK, this is probably like honestly for a receiver one of the worst plays of DK season as a route runner. But then also this is an insane recovery from Jalen. The fact that he stays that tight, feels that break. Um. 
as far as placement goes, I mean, DK was only losing separation as the play went along. Normally, this ball would get completed. When the ball's in the middle of the field, this ball would get completed like right inside the hash. Because mm. um, it's supposed to be like two to three yards to the left or right of the quarterback's platform mm -hmm. is where the ball is supposed to land. But if he waited any longer, DK is even less open. So he's yeah. trying to give this play life when there's no life to be had. Right. Gino is, so he just needs to not throw it. No, yeah, you can't. You can't do that. Okay, so then the other is the other pick. Should we talk about that? Either the dropped pick or the uh, the play the action pick. pick. Okay, um, yeah. Where is that? Twenty-one forty-five. So, why do you think they were doing this boot into the boundary stuff? In the first place. Um, I mean, I, I think you mentioned it was a similar look that set up the touchdown. Or no, no, this came after the touchdown. Yeah, I don't know if they thought they were getting, like, of a four here. I, I don't know. Parkinson's open, though. That's what I don't get. He's well, he doesn't. Kind of. He, Gino can't set up for that. Messed up. Yeah. The, there's no way. I mean, with the, the contain rush... The, the thing here, though, is that I do think him getting hit affected it. But the way I've seen this like work for, like especially the Packers, they come to mind, but even the Rams and the 49ers, is that the receiver running the crossing route, the intermediate route, DK, he's supposed to vertically stack the quarterback. So when the quarterback sets up, the receiver sets up. And considering the spacing of the linebackers, Gino recognizes DK's spacing relative to the zone defender in front of him and the zone defender behind him. So as soon as Gino uh, flips his hips to, to set up the throw, DK needs to like stop his feet pretty much. Yeah. And, yeah, he, that, and that's he, what it looked like live as well. It looked like he should have settled down more. Like there's, now, a, clear, there's a lane yeah. here. Like the, like in, indeed the ball does I mean, the, the, the throw does line up inside the numbers. So DK still would have had to elevate with it with the pressure on him. But I don't think DK helps him here. But also with the pressure, I don't think Gino needs to play with fire either. Yeah, and he like, does he, he does miss it. It's just not there. It's, it's, it's not there. He probably shouldn't have thrown it. DK could have done a better job. It's still probably an errant throw that DK can maybe get a hand on being 6'4 with his vertical, but I don't know. I don't know. It was just I didn't like the play call either, though. Um, I thought for sure this was going to be a boot to the field to the other way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's but, a bummer. So the, the, uh, what, what about the, other than the picks? Because So, yeah. You so said that... Gino was 17th in EPA per drop back. So overall, the entire game, it, it really wasn't as dismal as it felt watching. I mean, for this week, he was 17th out of 32 quarterbacks um, efficiency-wise. So that's what being average, right? Just a tick below average. Um, so it wasn't wow. a horrible day statistically. Um, and I mean, really, it was just his numbers and under center play action were really bad outside of Lockett's touchdown. But when they went into gun, 
uh, empty. He was really efficient. His numbers were really good. I think like 10 yards per attempt in empty. Um, and then yeah, out of 11 got, personnel and gun, he was also really good. Yeah, you've got 11 of 16 in gun for 11 personnel for 127 yards, 7.9 yards per attempt and a 69% completion percentage. And in an empty, four for five for 64 yards, 10.7 yards per attempt average. And then he also had a scrambling production. So, I mean, he, he really was kind of, you know, living with the same process that he's had. Uh, moving the ball, I mean, they hit some explosives, right? Uh, uh, Parkinson's seam or kind of corner stop route um, on one of those game-tying drives, I think. Um, and then, you know, DK seam. Um, so, like, th- between that and then the good execution, the gun dropback game, and then the rushing, I mean, if you just – if you didn't just have, like, poor decisions um, – suboptimal decisions with suboptimal structure on those interceptions it would have been a, something close to a classic geno game so on that note this game doesn't concern me as much as it did um watching it live but i just really hope that when there's kind of dicey situations he kind of pulls it down and granted he actually did do that after the interception after the first interception there were some windows that he normally would throw that he didn't I think he was just trying to play it safe. You don't want him to turtle up too much. Mm. Uh, but I think he ended up balancing it out because he played good football um, after that After that last uh, interception, I thought. So yeah. he put together some drives to, to you know give them the lead and tie it up and stuff. So Yeah, and you'd hope, Blake, in the playoffs that, you know, there's less pressing, just, you know, take what's there. Um, yeah, it was uncharacteristic, I thought, but I'm excited to sort of – watch that a bit more um so in terms of the run game it felt like the the gap concepts like counter and power were popping and as you've put here they had eight carries for 54 yards in counter and power which is 6.8 yards per carry but the zone run game with kenneth walker was 21 carries and it only got 2.9 yards per carry that wasn't a walker thing though was it it was more just the Rams are pretty good at taking away zone stuff while showing like a light box often and then not giving you that. Yeah, I mean, that's what the Rams do. They they plug yeah. up the interior gaps. Um, but like, why, what was so good about the gap stuff? Like, uh, Well, so they kind of have similar problems that Seattle would when they're in bear and they don't have the fire zones or the under checks or whatever. Um, the C-gap bubble's open. So uh, Waldron use 12 personnel a lot um, to force one front and then motion into like motion Tory as a tight end on both sides of the field, like ACE or dot, whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what that did was uh, it formed that C gap bubble. So like a C and a D gap to that side to where there's not alignment in that gap. So that tight end gets a free climb to the second level, whether it was Ernest Jones or Bobby Wagner. Um, so that when you get those two pullers coming from the backside, if it's counter, you know, the first one kicks out the, the edge and then the second guy can pull through, but really it's more important for that tight end to have a free climb to not have to block a first level defender, but can block a second level defender because those two pullers present three gaps. Um, and if there's only two guys there to fill them, that means the third gap is open and that's where that, that third gap is what Walker found. So like, yeah, they had like eight of these for like 60 something yards um and got some explosives off of it and they just they blocked it up really nicely too but it was it was 
if you consider that they were outmatched running zone mm. on a one-to-one basis collectively, it's an oxymoron. Collectively, you could argue all things equal that they were outmatched up front. But this was McVeigh scheming them advantages. Um, and then and then uh Walker did run hard, like he created some yards himself here as well. But um Yeah. And the yeah. wildcat wrinkle was cool, right? As a way of um, you know, adding an extra guy into the the number equation and um getting them uh because they when they moved into under kind of looks for that, getting them flowing with the jet and and then running up the open A gap where there's no one fitting into it, that sort of stuff. Very cool. Um, well, there's a half safety, a deep safety trying to fit into it, but that's a long way for him to come down into, especially when it hits so quick. Uh, so that's a cool variation. Uh, right. The 49ers game, Griff. This is a game where no one's picking Seattle. Uh, they are a 10 point uh, underdog. The over under totals at 42. Um, we've said how this sort of needs to be a game where they try and replicate the Jets game plan. Uh, that being said, the Jets kind of bottled up Seattle in the second half. So hopefully Seattle can learn from those moments along with their two defeats and offensive struggles uh, to San Francisco early in the season. What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, um, I hope that they use another center. I hope that they use heavy personnel. Um, to try to outflank them on the edge so that they can, I don't know, disrupt their edges, disrupt their wide fronts, um, and see if they can actually get some movement on the interior guys. Because that's what, that was the big thing, right? They were actually able to move Quinnen Williams and Daquan Jones, I think. Is that their other defensive tackle? Um, Jonathan Franklin Myers, who's kind of like their big end. Um, they are actually able to, to move those guys. Um, so hopefully, I mean, if you look at the 49ers interior, yeah, Eric Armstead's great. The other guy's T.Y. McGill, who's a decent player, but he's not the biggest guy in the world. And then they have Kerry Hyder playing three technique on early downs versus under center. So the the, the guards... I mean, it's they time have, to... They're fake. It's, it's time they, to punish them for being fake. Now, the linebackers are very good, don't get me wrong, but yeah. you have to you have to at least start with movement up front. So you've got to move those guys. Because um, it seemed like that they were scared the first two times. They were scared of like I guess if you do the under center and the wide zone, uh, and you're you're if you're running at Bosa, then you're running at Bosa. But if you're running away from Bosa, then maybe you've got a tight end who's one on one with him, and you're worried about him just killing the play from the backside. And it seemed they were just scared of those kind of one on one matchups that under center may present off the boot and the under center run game. Maybe the power is the 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 wrinkle that they need in the counter stuff for for running more kind of tight paths rather than wide, um, and maybe that's what Waldron needed to find. Right. I hope so. That I mean, it would make sense. It right. would make sense. I agree. I agree. Then the flip um, side, when you when you go into gun though, the question there, I mean, because if I feel like you want to spread out the 49ers coverage shell, but then. Yeah, and Gino had like his best drives against the 49ers were when they when they spread out and went up tempo, which you can only you can only do so much of, right? But it's when he sort of spread out their underneath layer uh, and just sort of picked apart from like real spread or even empty formations. Yeah, right. I I, a hundred percent agree. They also used um some of the uh like uh the uh like split gun 
uh, mm. with tight ends, but then flare them out to the flat quickly. But you can maybe even get like chip help. But the problem is when you spread it out, then you're opening yourself up to the pass rush, right? So it's a delicate balance. They, hopefully the tackles just have the game of their life. But um, maybe we see some, um, maybe we see some like pseudo empty where you've got both tight ends or one, one receiver, one tight end in the backfield. Um, and, and they can, they can kind of, kind of, BS being part of the protection, but then still release into the pattern. Um, I, I hope we see some like double moves off of their usual concepts because the 49ers are so aggressive coming downhill and melting to stuff. I do think they're susceptible to double moves um, like out and ups or, or like sluggos. I'd like to see a sluggo or even like a, like a digo, like a fake dig, but then roll up with their quarter safeties looking to nail down so tightly. Mm-hmm. Um I, I just they they got to dial up something cheesy like that because they're gonna they have to they have to cheat an extra explosive or two somehow. I do think that they can muster an explosive in their usual stuff, but Waldron's gonna have to cook up something. Um, so I hope we see some like cheesy double moves, scheme double moves. Um, That'd be nice. So yeah. here we have Geno Smith's heat map of past attempts versus the Fortnite this season from uh, CBS Sports researcher writer Doug Clawson at Doug underscore Clawson and it shows that Gino's average pass length versus the Forks Niners is 4.6 yards per downfield compared to his eight yards per attempt versus everyone else which uh is very difficult uh, to you know to move the ball downfield doing that that's the kind of game the Forks Niners want you to do and so it'd be nice if Gino we saw more of him taking those shots he he had a beautiful one last time against the Forks Niners Maybe there's a few more sort of schemed up shot plays and under center helps you do that. So it does gun if you get the right kind of look. So maybe there's one or two of those actually sort of just game planned in that we're just going to throw at whatever, which I think would be a smart idea. This is Gino's heat map uh, compared to everyone else. Now, Seattle also, uh, the injury report came out uh, in terms of questionable. Uh, there's Phil Haynes questionable, DJ Dallas questionable, Xavier Crawford questionable, Shelby Harris questionable. I think most of those guys will probably play other than Dallas is probably unlikely. But the big news is Ryan Neal is not on that injury report. And so if we transition towards the defense, Griff, um, the defense, like, with Neal back in, is he the tight end answer for Kittle? Is there, like, situations on third down where you get Neal uh, playing, like, in that Kim Kim role? Does Abram keep his starting spot? There's a discussion to be had because Abram is more of a kind of box type and with the way that Seattle is playing now they are kind of especially in base they're kind of playing it like they used to yeah it's uh it's tricky I mean I feel like I mean Neil does give you a better chance against Kittle and more one-on-one situations whether it's zone or man um but just finding himself in those one-on-one situations uh I mean, I don't know. Abrams has been playing really good football, so they might find a way to try to work him in there. They might feel compelled to play like big nickel, mm. uh, where it's kind of like it's it's base, but they're just playing Neil at will, really, or Abrams at will. Um, well, we'll see there. Uh, they, it would make sense that they would want to give them reps over Muse or um, Johnson. I was calling him Alexander earlier. Is it last name was Johnson, isn't it? Uh, it's it Alexander, John, AJ Johnson, oh, okay. but but but. It's all very simple because he goes by cheese. Okay, cheese. Yeah. Cheese Johnson. Um, 
So uh, <laughs> you don't want a cheesy Johnson. That depends. Um, oh, I mean, case by case basis, right? Right. Okay. You don't discriminate. Um, but so I don't know. But then the problem is, can they hold up against the run? Because that's maybe the more important question. Mm. It, can they can they bottle up there now they were doing all right against McCaffrey last time until Brooks went out like the yards per carry was like 3.9 yards per carry and then it ballooned up to five when they had like 50 60 explosive runs yards to end the game hmm. um my big question is how are they going to handle how are they going to handle gap scheme with pullers especially out of two back um that's yeah, my well, question because they don't uh, have the on they don't have the on paper schematic answers this year that they had last year. They threw it out. They put I, it in the shredder. It's gonna look like 2012 Seattle Griff. We we're gonna get all the old checks as well. I bet. All right, yeah, because because Pete's gonna be this is this is gonna be one of the most heavy Pete game plans of all yeah. year, and there's been some heavy ones. Um. So before your prediction, Griff. I should remind people that Kyle Shanahan is 4-9 against the Seahawks. He was also swept by them in 2020 and 2021. So Pete has historically got the best of him, and that's why I predict the Seahawks will win 31-7. to <laughs> um, I predict Seahawks win... 22... 20. How about that? An absolute thriller. Is that one where they they uh, go ahead late? It's a Jacob Hollister redemption? Or is that one they, where they're ahead by a few and then the 49s come back? It goes it goes back and forth. They mm. they gain the lead, but then there's a final drive. They have to stop them. They get a turnover on downs at nice. like the 40 yard line, 45 oh, yard it. line. I love it. And then, but they get the ball back. They don't have any timeouts left. The 49ers Great. have timeouts though, and they have to run the clock out. They don't want to give the ball back because they're only up by two. Oh. So they get, they clinch that, that key first down. Um, oh, it's thrilling. To, uh, yeah. Yeah. How amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if the defense doesn't bust the plays, like they were very good luck. They had, you know, one bad bust from Tariq Woolen. In rookie inexperience, they had the George Kittle crazy play from Shanahan, and then they had the the dodgy uh, the dodgy run fit. And Cameron Cronkite comes in saying it's a backward hat kind of week. Go Hawks! Thank you, Cameron. You've picked Thanks, up Cameron. on it. A pr much appreciated. Very kind. Thank you for supporting the show as ever. Um, it is a backward hat kind of week. I like Pete Carroll. Griff, uh, Griff, if he was wearing a hat, I'm sure would be wearing it backwards. Anyhow, thanks everyone for tuning in. Follow the podcast at Seattle Overload. Follow Griff on Twitter at CMikeSpinRoove. Follow me at Matty F. Brown. We'll be live after the Seahawks beat the 49ers on Saturday with a victory overload. It will be joyous. Join us. Ty will join as well for a brief period if they win. So when they win, Ty will join us as well for a brief period. Uh, until then, download the podcast, give it a five-star review, do your thing. Like the video if you haven't already, please. It does help and comment, and we appreciate you and enjoy it because the Seahawks in the playoffs, they play, did some good things against the Rams. There's stuff they can improve on still, and what better way to do that than in the wildcard round? <laughs>